It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 708 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in the garden, however you define success in the garden. And one of the questions we had in the last hour was the lady had bought a particular plant and she wondered if painter's palette, a persicaria is the scientific name for it, whether, per, whether painter's palette was a weed or not. And one of the things I mentioned to her was that there are some families of plants and some are good and some are not so good. Some are sort of weeds. I looked it up and painter's palette should be no problem at all. It self-seeds a little bit but does not seem to be invasive. So she is fine to have painter's palette in her landscape, I think. But then Ashley and I got to talking about privet. And right now privet is blooming all over the place. It smells really good. You can smell that Chinese privet from half a mile away if you have a big bank of it along the highway, along the fence rows and things. If you drive through the countryside, you can smell Chinese privet. And in suburbs, too, if you have an undeveloped sort of weedy lot somewhere that has privet on it. But there's also a different kind of privet. The same family, privet family, ligustrum is the scientific name, ligustrum family, and the Chinese privet is the one that's invasive, spread by birds, by the seas, the birds eat the seas in the fall, it's spread it everywhere. Smells good, but man, it can be a real invasive nuisance. But then there's also glossy-leaved privet, or glossy-leaved ligustrum, some people call it, or wax-leaved ligustrum, or curly ligustrum is another name for it. And those are used commonly as shrubbery in landscapes, and they work fine. They do not seem to be nearly, nearly, nearly as invasive as the Chinese privet is. And so if you have a, how would I describe this, a sort of a conical white flower, lots of little flowers that are, that are in it um, that compose that big flower. But if you have that conical looking flower on a shrub in your landscape with big glossy green leaves, glossy green leaves are as big as a half a dollar probably, then that is the good ligustrum, the good privet, shiny leaf ligustrum, that's just fine. If you have a conical white flower that smells really terrific and the leaves though are about as big as your thumb, that is the Chinese privet and that is not one that we want. There you go. You got to know which one you got, and then you know whether it's good or bad. Let's go to the phones. Who have we got next? Bob's in Lawrenceville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. Doctor, uh, I like the way you write prescriptions for these people that call in, <laughs> and, but most of them don't pay attention to what you say, and they interrupt you. I'm not going to interrupt you. My question is this. I uh, Thursday, when I checked my plant, uh, tomato plants, and they had some little bitty tiny, tiny, black-looking spots on the, from the ground up. Huh. And I went on the line that said those are spider mites. And I mm. uh, had a remedy for them. was canola oil and some Dawn dishwasher liquid. So I mixed up some in a squirt bottle and sprayed it on. I don't think I damaged them to any, do you think? I'm not sure you have spider mites to begin with, Bob. What do you think those little black things could be, then? The, I guess the theory is that those black things are the feces of spider mites, but spider mites don't have fecal material that you can see. So no, <laughs> if you can see it, it's, it's not a, a spider mite. Uh, just a mass of little tiny black 
uh, things growing from the ground up on my tomato plant. On, I have eight plants, but only on three of them has that. Mm, massive black things, no. That's not spider mites. Spider mites are tiny little whitish to slightly orangish creatures. They live on the underside of leaves. You'll mm-hmm. see clusters of them. If you have a, frankly, if you need a magnifying glass almost to see them, mm-hmm. but you can see them clustered along the mid vein of a leaf. If you take a leaf or two and slap it on a piece of white paper, it's much easier to see on white paper because you see them crawling very slowly around the paper, and then you say, oh, okay, i got spider mites here. And it's not usual for them to be present, Bob, in a landscape or a vegetable garden in May. Mm-hmm. June, July, yeah, that's when it gets hot. That's when spider mites really like to be outdoors and when they their population builds. So I think we have to go back to what you have on your tomatoes, and it's not spider mites. Okay. Okay. So let's go back to the sentence. Black, do you say black spots or black things or black growths or black, what is this stuff? It looks like a lot of little tiny, uh, like if you were to take uh, uh, sand and mm. throw it on there, you know, it would stick, you know, and it would be black. Black. Uh, I'm just trying to try and, uh, get you the size of it, you know, a little tiny. Yeah. And uh, so uh, this is the first time I've ever had problems with it. Uh, I always plant my tomato plants, and I put uh, aluminum foil around each one at the bottom there. Okay. Somebody says that keeps cut one from getting on them. I don't it know does. if that's true or not, but I've never it had does. any problems once I put that on them. But this is the first time I've ever had uh, these little black things uh, on them. Let me ask you something, Bob, sure. and I'll interrupt you here. Um, apologize for that. Uh, do you have any wood chip mulch nearby? Uh, I can get some. But do you have it right now underneath the tomato plants or near in the rows of around the tomato plants? No. Rats. Boy, I had a great theory. Whoo, I had a good theory, Bob. It was going to knock you out. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a particular fungus called artillery fungus, which grows on wood chip mulch and has little black specks that it exudes, it shoots out. That's why it's called artillery fungus. It's very common for people to have mulch next to white homes, next to actually a white vehicle if you park next to a, next to a uh, pile of wood chip mulch uh, after a rainy day or two. You'll just be covered on the side of your car, the side of your house with these little black specks from the artillery fungus. And darn it, you don't have any wood chip mulch next to your tomatoes, Bob. Whew, one good theory, shot down. Mm. Okay. Um, boy, I'm at a loss. I mean, most of the tomato problems show up on the leaves. You got early blight, which is common right now. Yellow leaves, black spot in the middle, about the size of a dime, or maybe a little bit smaller than that. So I don't know what you have, other than I know what you don't have right now. So I have a suggestion, which okay. is to go on my website. It says name that plant, but also in parentheses it says name that bug, name that disease, name whatever you got. Uh-huh. And take a few pictures. Make sure they're in focus. Don't give me some blurry thing or some green thing with something we can't tell. In focus pictures, submit three, and let's see if my experts know what it is. Okay. Thank you, Dr. That's what we need. Thank you, Brother Bob. We'll see you soon. Yeah, that's what you're paying the big bucks for, is to have wild, crazy theories. Artillery fungus, one of the ways you diagnose artillery fungus, you can scrub that sorry stuff as much as you want, and it won't come off. It is designed by nature to be gluey and sticky and won't come off the siding of your car or of your house. It won't come off the paint of your car unless you just really, really, really scrub that stuff. 
And the solution for it is to, A, not park next to piles of wood mulch, B, to stir them up a little bit if they're next to your house so they dry out quickly because fungi, as you know, all need a little bit of moisture. And so if you stir them up pretty good, you won't have a, won't have a problem. Our number is 404-872-0750. Al is out in Gainesville, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Al, hey, good morning. Hey, top of the morning. Top of the morning um, to you, brother. I've got an invasion of nut sage in my yard. I've had lawn service for three years, and um, so the nut sage is one the lawn service is lost, but no other weeds in the yard. So I'm trying to figure out how to, how to win this little battle. I don't want to be mean, Al, but I will say this. If a lawn service that's applying chemicals, if they're applying weed control chemicals to your lawn, if they can't control nut sedge, then they're not doing the job. There are plenty of things that will control nut sedge in a yard, and they should know them, and they should use them. And you shouldn't have any nut sedge if you have a, a chemical company putting stuff. If they just mow and blow, well, that's a different situation completely. But there's a product called Sedge Hammer. Sedge Hammer is a great Great name. Kills it. Dead. Um, uh, Pike, they have the sedge. Mickey and I were discussing this last week. I can't remember now what it was, but if you go to a Pike and say, what is that sedge stuff? There's a product at Pike that controls halosulfuron? No. I can't remember right now, but go to Pike and uh, ask them if they've got some of the sedge stuff there at Pike. Or, again, online you can find Sedge Hammer. There is... um, I think the Weed Beater Ultra actually has a product, has a chemical in it that controls nut sedge, too. Image for nut sedge. You can get image for nut sedge anywhere. You can use All that, right. Al. All right. Fair enough. Thank All you. All right. So talk to your lawn company and turn a little heart-to-heart and say, man, this is not – This is, I know nut sedge is hard to control, but it's not impossible to control. And if they don't know how to do it and can't do it, then think about that. All right? All right. Thank you. All right, Al. Thanks for calling. Coming up to the next half hour, Scott will be first in line to talk about removing English ivy up his trees. Tracy and Covington wants to know about these orange balls that are sitting on top of mulch. Tracy, I know what that is, and it has a weird name. Wait for that. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. And time for a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. If you're going to garden today, i got good news. Stay in bed for a little while. It's going to get better this afternoon. Nice sunny afternoon. Highs in the upper 70s and lows tonight in the mid-50s. 60% chance of rain this morning going away this afternoon. Pretty nice. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Scott up in Lawrenceville, or out I should say in Lawrenceville, joins us. Hey, Scott. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, man. What's up? Okay, I need a line on a goat herd. Who? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't have hey. any, but I can tell you people to do. Go ahead. Well, uh, what I've got is about two-tenths of an acre in my backyard that is just covered with what I would call old-growth English ivy. Oh, yeah. Thick, thick. Up to your knees almost. Sure. Thick, heavy, up the trees, the whole thing. And obviously, I don't want the goats climbing up in the trees, <laughs> but I feel like if they can get in and clear out the ground club cover, then I can go in and clip the vines around the trunks of the trees and kill it up there. But sure. I can't find anybody that does goat stuff that'll come out to Lawrenceville. 
oh, there's got to be somebody out there. I will point out that I have seen dozens, well, not dozens, but at least a dozen places where goats and sheep have been used to clear English ivy. They do a terrific job, and all your neighbors are so curious about that. They want to come visit and see the sheep and pet the sheep and uh, you know, feed the goats and all of that. Um, one at Briar Lake Park over near my house uh, there in DeKalb County. They, they've had sheep on the Briar Lake Park there that cleared the English ivy like a charm. Um, mm-hmm. Scott, go online and type Mennonite, M-E-N-N-O-N-I-T-E, Mennonite Church Sheep or English Ivy or something, a couple of words like that. But there's a Mennonite Church that is not terribly far from Lawrenceville that would be, I think, have, happy to be engaged for English Ivy control. And, uh, you know, sh- English Ivy Sheep, I would think that should get you somebody. There's one person, no, two people in Athens they use a lot around the campus of <clears throat> the university to kit to um, control weeds and things on steep slopes there. So I believe with a little more searching, we'll find somebody with sheep or goats to control your ivy. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. Nothing to it. And they are just fascinating creatures. It may, you know, I'll be blunt, Scott, it may be a little more expensive than you thought, but they have to come out and put up the fence. They've got to have a dog, probably, to protect the sheep or goats from coyotes. They've got to do a lot of maintenance there. But even if it's a little bit more expensive than spraying chemicals, is much more ecologically sound and effective. And I think the sheep and the goat control is a great way to go. Good for you. Thanks for calling. We got no uh, Tommy B. Willis in the next hour about wisteria. <laughs> and Tracy, stick around, Tracy. We'll be howling for you in just a minute. It's 727. We'll be back after news. I get mad. I get mad. Anybody get mad. And in the end, most folks are glad to find out what makes him mad. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 736, 61 degrees still outside, going over to the mid-70s this afternoon. The cloudy skies will clear out pretty much by 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock today. If you have questions about what you should be doing in your garden, once it gets a little warmer this afternoon, 404-872-0750. We'll do the weekend prize pack. Ashley, she's looking at me. I can tell just by looking at Ashley Frasca's eyes that she wants to do the weekend prize pack or weed of the week, one or the other. She wants to do weed of the week, but she wants to do weekend prize pack. Okay, because I know you found a nice weed you want to talk about. What is our weed of the week? White clover, which has such a basic name for such an intricate-looking plant. Yeah, sure. And what'd you find out? Well, I'd kind of forgotten that, I mean, you have clover in your yard. Everybody knows what clover looks like. But then when the little white flowers start to emerge that kind of grow up into a little ball, I, I forget that comes from the clover. Yeah, right. It's very attractive. It's very attractive. Those little white clover flower balls there, sure. And when I was a kid, I would pick those, you know, thinking they were flowers, just like kids pick dandelions, and tie them together and make a necklace. That's awesome. That's exactly what they should be. You can do it with violets, too. You can put violets and clover, make a blue and a white. Oh, so attractive. But you told me something interesting about nitrogen that I did not know with clover. Which is? 
the clover, I guess maybe the flowers, once it flowers, those are able to remove nitrogen from the air and put it back down into the ground and the, and the grass. The leaves, the whole plant does it. The whole plant, whenever it's exposed to nitrogen in the air, which there's lots and lots, uh, converts it into a form that plants can use, and they store it in the ground and the plants nearby. The fescue lawn, for instance, goes, hey, look here, free nitrogen, and you don't have to pay for it. The clover does the job for you fertilizing your lawn. And then when you mow it, the clover's gone, so it's it's really not that obnoxious and invasive. I mean, you're mowing off the right. top of the leaves. Right, right. If you mow off the, the white part, it's not that invasive. People used to plant fescue and clover mixtures all the time, and then some decided, some chemical company, of course, decided that clover was noxious and they didn't like it, and so they, of course, wanted to sell you a product, which they sold a product to control clover. But other than stepping on the clover flowers and getting stung by the honeybees, because, they, boy, they love those clover flowers. They make a lot of honey off the clover flower. Uh, other than that, uh, you know, like you, I'm sort of live and let live depending on what the situation is. So Perfect. You got, you got pictures? I do. I have a good picture. And once everybody sees it, they'll go, oh, I know what that is. Exactly. Yeah. So go to wsbradio.com and in the search bar type Weed of the Week and it takes you to Walter's page on WSB Radio and then there's an album. There it is. All our weeds of the week and weeks past. Thank you, Ashley. And we'll do it week in prospect real soon, okay? Don't All pack. right. We'll do that. I'll be waiting. I'll be thinking of a number. <laughs> During the breaks, um, Ashley and I talk about questions that are coming up, and one of the questions that we've been talking about for the last 15 minutes or so is with our friend Tracy in Conyers, hey, or Covington, I should say. Hey, Tracy, good morning. Hi, how are you? So what do you see, Tracy? Little orange balls clustered in the dirt yeah. at the, in my raised bed. Yeah. And so Ashley said, I know that, I know that, I know that, I've seen that, I know what it is. And so I was howling for her here, and she said, oh, yep, oh. And so she looked it up based on that clue. And Tracy, what you have is called Wolf's Milk Slime Mold. Wolf's Milk Slime Mold. What an interesting name. Why it's called wolf's milk, I have no clue. Don't ask me that. But I do know what it is. It is a slime mold. It's a type of fungus, and it does not hurt anything. It, de it helps to decompose organic matter, and that doesn't just neither here nor there in a raised bed. And so it is not harmful, and they disappear whenever it gets uh, dry, and they appear when it gets wet. It's rained for the last couple of days. That's why it's mm -hmm. there. Okay, great. All right. But, Tracy, Thanks. suppose yeah. I had said, arf, 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 arf. <laughs> That's a different slime mold. That's a different one. And there are people listening right now who are thinking, what the heck is that guy talking about? And they're also about to go outside and look at their, again, mulch areas, wood-chipped, organic sort of areas underneath shrubbery, and see a yellow mass. I mean, a yellow, slimy-looking mass about as big as a dinner plate underneath the plants. And they say, what is that? And to them I reply, arf, arf, it is dog vomit slime mold. Oh. For yeah. real, for real, it's called that. So if you if you have either the pink balls or the yellow mass on top of the ground, again, slime mold disappear in 24 hours if it gets hot. No problem there, but you gave Ashley and I a great deal of amusement, Tracy, and we thank you for that. <laughs> I'm so glad I could help. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Have a great day. Oh, that's exactly what we're doing in here. And Scott looking at us like, you are two nutcases out there. Tommy is up in Adairsville. Tommy joins us on Lawn and Garden. Brother Tom, good morning. Hey, good morning. I'm going to uh, go to a throwback a little bit here and ask you, why do they call it Will Smilk? 
I and have no clue. Do you we're know? on Get Smart. <laughs> it's because what? Because we're on Get Smart. You know, he used to say, I asked you not to ask me that. Oh. <laughs> anyway. I asked you not to ask Absolutely me pouring down rain up here in the Daresville right now, Walter. And I, I have a little kudos to you. I called up, um, of course, I have a, in the Daresville, I do not have a Pike Nursery close to me. However, I work in Woodstock. So I could have gone to one of the big box stores, and I called down there probably about six weeks ago and uh, purchased almost $1,000 worth of plants and uh, trees and uh, specifically told them I'm doing this because of my loyalty to Walter Reeves. Thank you. I appreciate so that, Tommy. Went down there, picked everything up, bought it up. One of the items I purchased was wisteria, okay. which was one of my wife's favorite uh, plants when it bloomed. And she passed away some years ago, and today is our anniversary. Oh, that's sweet. I thought it would be a great time to call you up and ask for your knowledge about how to keep these things blooming. Now, I've read up on them. I understand there's a spring and a summer bloom. So, obviously, when I bought it, it had blooms on it, and they're gone. What do I need to do to have it bloom again in the summer? Do you remember specifically, Tommy, if this was called American Wisteria or Chinese Wisteria? Do you know which uh, you American. Have? American? That's awesome because American is so much less invasive and so much more attractive as your wife. Um, and so you, you hit the jackpot. You got exactly the right thing. I, you know, a, a, a pergola or some kind of arbor or something like that is how you'll grow it. Is that what you have in mind? I do. It, it came with a little arbor. And then on the front of my house, I have one of those little cottage-style homes. Yeah. I have one of the columns coming up. I'm going to let it grow up that column. Yeah, yeah. You'll need to support it. It doesn't twine and cling like, say, English ivy does. And so use uh, nails and string and wire or something like that just to let it climb up. And it'll it'll take off. If you have any kind of sunshine there, it'll take off um, and be five to six feet tall by the end of the summertime. And next year, it'll be about 10 feet tall, and you can start training it over your column, around your column, around and around. And honestly, Tommy, there's nothing to make it bloom. It'll simply bloom when it wants to, but it will certainly bloom for you. Just very nice, fist-sized, purple, lavender sort of blooms on it. Very nice wisteria. Okay, and I thought it was on your website. Did you recommend some kind of bone... Meal, meal, or something mm. to put on there, or maybe uh, phosphorus. The the second number phosphorus, on a, on a fertilizer bag okay. uh, is necessary for root growth and for somewhat formation of blooms. But just putting phosphorus on the ground doesn't make a plant bloom. If the plant doesn't have enough phosphorus and wants to bloom, it'll appreciate the phosphorus. But most soils honestly have enough phosphorus that plants are not lacking in it. So if you want to, if you want to. Um, you can put some Sure Start. Pike has this stuff called Sure Start that has a lot of phosphorus in it. Or you can get a product from a hardware store called Triple Super Phosphate. Put a few tablespoons around your wisteria when you plant it. That's okay with me. It won't hurt my feelings. Okay. Any other fertilizing or just leave it alone? Yeah, I'd leave it alone at least for the first year. When it starts growing, Tom, it'll be going. <laughs> you'll okay. you'll see, yeah. man, I don't need to fertilize this vine. No. No, it did really well, the ones that you planted at our other house. It did good. extremely well, so that's good. what I wanted to know. Yeah, well, I appreciate deal. it. And also, I thank you for your producer and let me know to hang on to my receipt because 
all of my plants are guaranteed for the life that I own them, and I did not know that. That's exactly but. right. One of the great things about pike is all their woody plants, shrubs, trees, and all are guaranteed for the life of the plant. And if you have your receipt, just tote it in. If it did not succeed for you, died or something, then tote it in. Always a good thing to know. Walter, appreciate your show. You have a great day. Thanks for calling, Tom. Thanks Thank you a lot. Bye-bye. Let's go to who we got turn time right here. Debbie is in Atlanta, and Debbie joins us on Lawn and Garden. Deb, hey, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. We need some help identifying a plant. What do you have? We have something that is very prolific, and we finally concluded it's predatory. It um, <laughs> has bright green stems, yeah. but but so broad that it's, it's like a shrub, eventually yellow flowers on it that yeah. hasn't flowered yet this season. We could not wipe it out with Roundup across right. two seasons, so we finally decided to dig it up. And um, it has roots that are like giant sweet potatoes, except with white flesh, some of them as big as coconuts. Wow. And it's something we've never seen before. The same family had lived in this uh, home since 1961. So um, we don't know any of the history, but uh, it is just hugely prolific, mm. and we're curious what it is. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm thinking yellow flowers, okay, a forsythia, but it doesn't have a root system like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Carolina jessamine, you've got yellow flowers again, but it's a vine, doesn't have root like that. Um, yeah, and each one grows on a separate stem, so it's not like a shrub, even though it's, you know, with a huge mass. Each one is on a separate stem, kind of a firm stem. And what do the flowers look like? Is it a cluster of little flowers or a single large flower? Yeah, little thumb? yellow flowers. So that just driving by, it just kind of looks like a giant shrub of yellow flowers. And does it die back in the winter, or is it woody and permanent during the winter? It did die back in the winter, yes. Hmm, could it be 4 o'clock? I don't know. 4 o'clock has a big, fleshy, tuberous kind of root on it. It can have many different colors of flower, but there are yellow 4 o'clocks. There are okay. red, purple, lavender... Check four o'clock just for fun, okay. Debbie. Okay, and is it predatory or is it just real healthy? It's real healthy. Okay. <laughs> Some would say that it's a little on the invasive side, but frankly, when you're a little lady living out in the country in 1850 to 1950, that's the only flower you can guarantee will be blooming for you all summer long. Okay. And for that reason, well, a lot of old home places had four o'clock blooming around them. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. Well, it's gone now, but it's good to know what it was. I love the name Mirabilis Jalapa is the name for 4 o'clock. Okay. What a great name. Okay, great. All right, well, thanks very much. You bet, Debbie. Thanks so much for calling. Okay, bye. It's 748, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Yep. Scott is dancing to this one. Where he found it, I have no clue. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security this morning. It's going to be pretty nice later on in the day. It's sort of overcast right now, damp outside, chilly a little bit. But this afternoon, up in the upper 70s, all the rain clears away. That'll be very nice. Not a chance of rain overnight. Channel highs or lows, I guess, tonight in the 
mid 50s. Let's call it. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Billy in Loganville joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Billy. Good morning. Hi. How are you? I'm doing all right, Bill. What's up? Um, we planted some Japanese maples in my daughter's yard, and they've never been trimmed, and they're like eight years old. Uh, is now the time to do it? I mean, it's just everywhere. It's pretty, but it needs trimming. Yeah, better time would have been back in the wintertime, Billy. Okay. In the winter, you could have taken off. Oh, 30 to 40 percent of the total foliage, and it would be fine. But when it's got leaves on it like it does now, my just rule of thumb says 25 percent or less can be taken off. Okay. So should I just wait till fall to do it or winter? Uh, yeah, well, it depends. If it's if it's so big that it's over a sidewalk and you want to take a limb off there, no problem to do that. If it's uh, one of the tall Japanese maples and it's hitting your face when you mow underneath, uh, that's no problem taking that limb off there. So it won't hurt, again, if you remove less than 25% of the foliage. Do I go all the way up against the stock and just uh, saw it off, or do I use uh, printers? Um, depends on how big the limb is. How big is the biggest limb you're going to take out? My finger size. Uh, pruners. Okay. That's awesome. Thank you for the tip. I appreciate you, sir. You bet, Bill. Thanks for calling. Have a great day. By the way, if you do not get your question answered today, I'll repeat this at the end of the next hour. You can always go to my website. And on my website, there are things there that you might find really helpful to you. One is my Facebook page, and I post things throughout the week of various weeds and situations and questions about squash borers this week and uh, other things that people ask me that I think, well, I need to tell everybody about this. So Facebook is one place. Twitter is another. I have a Twitter handle, at Walter Reeves. I have a Pinterest page, and you might find Pinterest very interesting because it's just about weed identification and control. It's all it is on my Pinterest page page weeds what do you do about them you can get your question answered by typing in the couple of words in the search line there you can sign up for our newsletter newsletter comes out every couple of weeks on thursdays and it also has pictures of problems and topical situations that people in atlanta have figured out all that available to you for free at walterreeves.com it's 758 we'll be back after news oh!